This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. The first journalists have driven the production versions of the 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning, and we were among them. We'll tell you about this revolutionary vehicle coming up. And if the record fuel prices have gotten your attention, we have five common sense tips that can help you save gas. So stay tuned for that later in the show. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash autoinsurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. I think you need that hyphen in there. I'm Jack Rad. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live in at the other end of the country. Each week we get together to talk about cars, car industry, stuff related to cars. And Chris, you were under the weather a week or so ago, and I, I'm hoping that you've recovered. I have recovered, and just in time, Jack. It's going to be almost 80 here on Friday, so we're very much uh, heading towards summer. But uh, I'm expanding my driveway, so I'll have more, more room to park more cars here. So uh, hopefully that'll... Uh, allow me to test more without bothering my wife and everyone else involved. Ah, that's a beautiful thing. All right, not bothering your wife is key. <laughs> I mean, that is a, it's absolutely the key to a happy life is uh, not bother your wife. So, oh, that even rhymes. Who knew? <laughs> uh, what vehicle will you be telling us about this week? I'm going to be talking about the Ford Bronco Sport. I had the Outer Banks model with the uh, three-cylinder engine. It's a really interesting SUV that I'm uh, excited to tell you about. And we're going to be all Ford for the road test because I'll be uh, telling you about the Ford F-150 Lightning, the battery electric pickup truck that I drove in an event around San Antonio, Texas. I drove the vehicle both on roads and on some uh, very challenging off-road courses as well. I even got to tow a big horse trailer. So... I'll tell you about that. We have a terrific guest for you as well. Uh, our guest is Justin Yoshizawa. He is the Director of Product Management at Mercury Insurance, and they've just launched Mercury Go. That's a usage-based auto insurance plan, and it can probably save you a lot of money. So we'll have an in-depth discussion with him about that, with him about saving you some money is what that's all about, really. But before we do that, we'll bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world, including the major automaker that is near the edge of running out of federal tax credits for its buyers. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad with you, and we're so glad you're with us on America on the Road. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jackie Red with you, and we're so glad you're with us. It is news time, and interesting news we have for you this week, including the major manufacturer that is about to run out of federal EV tax credits for its buyers. Uh, and it's important one, and not necessarily intuitive, uh, the manufacturer's Toyota. And you don't naturally think of Toyota when you think of EVs, but they have sold a lot of plug-in hybrids, and that also counts... Uh, for this. They've sold some EVs over time, of course, but uh, they are closing in on that 200,000 uh, limit for uh, buyers to get the federal tax credits. So uh, that's liable to run out quickly. And it, it's something that I think if you're interested in a lot of those vehicles, those plug-in hybrids from Toyota, and I think, Chris, you like them as I do, uh, it's time to pay attention and uh, run out and buy one. What do you think? 
I agree. And, you know, it's interesting because Toyota's first full EV is coming out uh, in just a very little bit here, the BZ4X. And so that's also going to be impacted by uh, this tax credit as it steps down. So once they run out of the initial credits, uh, they're able to offer a lower credit, which is a half of the original amount, followed by a quarter, depending on the timing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what that does for them. I guess, you know, for Toyota, it's a good problem to have, but for buyers, it could be a little frustrating if you're looking to jump into a new EV or PHEV. Yeah, I don't even think it's good for Toyota because uh, certainly the manufacturers, and this is not confined to Toyota, I think all the manufacturers that can offer these tax credits or, or the ability for consumers to get these tax credits are kind of leveraging that. Uh, they're using it essentially as an incentive that they might otherwise have to pay. And, and those that, uh, the manufacturers that have run out of these tax credits, Tesla and, and General Motors have had to kind of suck that up and go, okay, maybe we have to uh, offer the, the buyer something like the $7,500 that the federal government would offer competitive buyers or buyers of competitive products. So uh, it's an interesting issue for Toyota, as you say, because they're about to get heavy into EVs. Of course, they've had some full EVs back in the deep, dark past, but I think that would even predated this tax credit stuff. So I think virtually all of their uh, tax credit uh, eligible vehicles have been plug-in hybrids. Yeah, as you say, you know, the automakers specifically, and not necessarily Tesla and General Motors, but they've, they've used this tax credit as a big uh, marketing push because you sometimes uh, when the EVs first started coming out, you would see they would list the sales price and they would list the after rebate or after tax credit price. Uh, so they're, they're not able to do that anymore. And here in Maine, you know, some states, I know I'm sure California does, Maine offers its own tax credits, uh, but they only do so on cheaper models. So like the Model 3, uh, when it was available here, uh, you can only get it for cheaper models and so on. So um, I will be interested to see how automakers, not just Toyota, go about marketing and then also pricing once these credits run out, if they're, you know, going to do anything else with it. I think uh, Tesla did adjust their pricing based on this, and I think all the manufacturers have to look at that. And I, I think that maybe been one of the issues uh, recently with uh, Chevrolet Bolt. Of course, they've had some other issues, including uh, battery fires or battery recalls that they had. So, uh, but uh, you know, things change, and you know, money talks, right? I mean, if you uh, look to get seventy-five hundred dollars, or then that goes away. Uh, that makes a big difference in a lot of people's budgets. It certainly would make a big difference in, in our household budget here. Yeah, same here. Well, here's an interesting development. I think you know a lot about this too, Chris. I think you've written about this. It's the 2023 Honda Odyssey Sport Trim, maybe a sport trim on a uh, minivan, even a very popular minivan, and a, a minivan that has uh, nice driving modes to it uh, isn't necessarily intuitive. Uh, what can you tell us about this vehicle? Yeah, it's basically a trim level of the, it's not basically, it is the trim level of uh, the 2023 Honda Odyssey. It slots in uh, right in the middle of the lineup and it gets uh, dark black, I should say, 19-inch wheels, darkened exterior trim, uh, black leather interior with red red stitching. Uh, but performance-wise, so you hear the name Sport and you think maybe it's going to be you know an aggressive or quick minivan, but a powertrain is still the same as the standard Odyssey. Uh, it's a V6 engine, 280 horsepower, uh, the same 10-speed transmission, same front-wheel drive. Uh, but the Odyssey is so much more than that. So, you know, I think that Honda did a good job here, Jack, and I'll get your opinion that 
Uh, I think they're following the Kia mold where Kia figured out that buyers really want to buy a minivan that doesn't look like a minivan. So Honda's kind of stepping up the aggressive styling and making this look uh, a little bit more muscular and, and less uh, sort of frumpy. Uh, maybe they'll attract some buyers that way. What do you think? Yeah, I think they will. I mean, it's nice that they kind of carry this uh, this trend of a blackout even into the interior of the vehicle that has black leather interior. It has red contrast stitching. That spells sport right there. The car gets a lot faster when it has red <laughs> contrast stitching. And then it has black all around. I, I'm wondering, Chris, what's your reaction to these vehicles? Or how do you think this is going to age? This seems to be the thing right now is to do these blackout treatments. And you see it on all kinds of vehicles, not just the, the Honda Odyssey. I wonder how this is going to uh, wear over time. Yeah, you know, I question that too. I think a lot of this is in response to the aftermarket. You know, buyers have been picking up black wheels and tinting windows and adding, you know, black plastic pieces to the outside of their vehicles forever. But it's also a response to the fact that everybody loves buying SUVs and they typically have the, as I said, more muscular styling. But uh, for me, you know, I think it looks good now. How's it going to look in five, six, seven years when everything is electric and, you know, who knows? Uh, but uh, I think it looks okay now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go too deep in down the rabbit hole here. Yeah, it looks okay now, and we'll see how it looks in uh, three to five years, and maybe we don't care at that point. Well, we promised you some gas-saving tips uh, because fuel is, if not at record prices, just about at record prices. It's well over four dollars per gallon nationally. Fuel prices in Southern California, where I live, are well over six dollars a gallon now. Uh, locally. It's just kind of blowing one's mind about this. There's various reactions to this. Some people are buying electric vehicles uh, so they don't have to worry about fuel prices. At least they don't think they do. There are fuel prices involved in electricity too, but uh, it's, it's not transparent to them. Some are downsizing their vehicles. And I think the most logical uh, approach is to find simple, inexpensive ways to save gas. And so here are five of them that I've put together. One of which, and I think this is number one big time and it's free. Uh, it's not just inexpensive, it's totally free, is tire inflation pressure. Most people are driving around with at least one tire that is not at uh, proper inflation pressure, probably low, and that's costing you in fuel economy. So if you just bring your tires and keep your tires at the proper inflation pressure, you're going to save some gas. Uh, it's so simple to do, absolutely free. Just run out and do it. Here's another one, and I want your comment on this one, Chris, because I think it might apply to the Teague family a little bit. And this is ditching unnecessary weight. You know, a lot of people carry a bunch of stuff around with them in their cars. You and I don't necessarily have personal cars that we drive all the time, but our family cars, maybe carrying a bunch of stuff, who knows what, golf clubs, bottled water, hand tool, a bunch of things might be in the car. And every bit of weight you're carrying is costing you in fuel economy. So it's okay to carry this stuff around if you're going to use it frequently. But just to drive around year in, year out with this stuff, it's costing you money. What's your take on that, Chris? <laughs> I agree. You know, we bought a larger vehicle last year. We bought an XC90 and then, uh, you know, cleaned it out a few months later. And we had accumulated a beach chair and, you know, three months worth of goodwill do donations and all sorts of other things. And, you know, as you say, it's just added weight. So you're dragging it around. You're not getting any benefit from it because you're just transporting things that you're not using on a daily basis. So I try to clean out the car at least once a month of all the extraneous junk that ends up in there having kids and carrying stuff around. 
Yeah, makes good sense. Uh, number three on the list is regular maintenance. Do the maintenance that uh, is required of the car. Change the oil. Change the air filter, too. I mean, that, that will uh, help you significantly. And number four is improving your driving techniques. Now, this is a, maybe a, a difficult one for you and me, Chris, because <laughs> we probably like to go a little faster than we need to and like to accelerate more uh, swiftly than maybe is good for fuel economy. But if you don't do jackrabbit starts, if you're not heavy and hard on the brakes, uh, that will certainly save you in fuel economy. And then the final uh, tip is uh, think before you drive. Can you combine errands, for example? I know you do a lot of errands. You do a lot of school pickups with your children. Is this something you do, Chris? It is. And it's interesting because we moved last year. We're now closer to everything. So my daily commute is like less than 10 miles. So we always, I try to, you know, combine grocery trips and pick the dog up and do everything all at once so we can, uh, avoid, you know, stopping and starting as many times as possible. But uh, these are all very good tips, especially the changing your driving habits. Uh, I think driving smoothly and carefully is one of the best things you can do to make sure you save some fuel. Uh, experts say as much as 30% or so. That's that's a lot of money, especially with the $5 a gallon gas in a lot of places these, these days. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, when we come back, we'll be doing some road tests. So we have an all Ford road test segment coming up for you with the uh, Ford Bronco Sport that Chris Teague was driving. And I was driving the all-new Ford F-150 Lightning, first drive of that uh, for a lot of people. So stay with us for that. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jackie Redback. We're here for road test time, and it is an all-Ford road test segment uh, this week. Chris, you were driving the Ford Bronco Sport, fun, fun little vehicle, uh, carrying the Bronco name. I was driving the Ford F-150 Lightning, and we'll get to that in a minute, but tell us all about the Bronco Sport. It is an interesting SUV, Jack, and we talked about the first model that I drove last year, and I think you drove one around the same time. And just as an indication of how popular these vehicles have become, you know, we've all or a lot of us have heard of the Jeep Wave. So if you're in a Jeep Wrangler, you get people, you know, they stick up the two fingers and wave at you on the steering wheel when you drive by. Uh, I actually had a couple of people wave at me, so I guess the Bronco Sport Wave is now a thing. Uh, I had no idea until a few weeks ago when I drove the vehicle. But uh, in any case, I was testing the Outer Banks model. Uh, this is the second highest trim out of four that's offered for the Bronco Sport. Uh, the base model starts at around $30,000. The top Badlands trim comes in just under forty. My test vehicle came in at $35,495 after a few options. Uh, I think that I, I had a little bit of skepticism about the way Ford did the trim levels for these vehicles to start. It's such a departure from the standard uh, like S, S, E, S, E, L, all the things that, you know, everybody else does. But the more I was thinking about this, and I'll get your opinion on it, Jack, I think I really enjoy the way they've packaged these trims on the Bronco and the Bronco Sport in that you kind of get the name and then you get a feel for what you're going to get into. So the Outer Banks model is sort of the more mainstream, not so hardcore off-roader of both. Uh, and they've just done a good job packaging with it. What do you think about the the trim levels and how they're set up? I think it's inventive and I agree with you. It does give you a sense of what that vehicle will be like, at least a little bit. Uh, and they do make sense once you understand what the vehicle is about. Like the Outer Banks, I think, is a more luxurious kind of easy driving vehicle versus some of the others or something with the Sasquatch package or the Badlands or something <laughs> like that, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so Ford offers two powertrains in the vehicle. Uh, there was a, there's an inline three-cylinder engine and an inline four-cylinder engine. I tested the inline three-cylinder. Last year, I drove the four-cylinder, and I was uh, very surprised uh, at how well such a small engine 
performs in this SUV. So it's a turbocharged 1.5 liter inline three. It makes 181 horsepower and 190 pound-feet of torque. Uh, very strong numbers for a three-cylinder engine. It's paired with all-wheel drive and an eight-speed automatic transmission. Uh, this vehicle gets the GOAT modes, the same that the big Bronco does. So this is the goes-over-any-type-of-terrain uh, driving modes. Uh, the model I tested had a normal mode, an eco mode, sport, slippery, and sand. If you step up to the larger four-cylinder engine, that powertrain comes with a few more. You get a mud mode, uh, you know, sand mode, and then a rock crawling mode uh, with that one. But again, that comes with an eight-speed automatic as well. And this engine is, uh, you know, you look at it and you see three-cylinder and you think, man, this is probably not going to be the most powerful or not most responsive. But uh, it vibrates a little bit more than a four-cylinder. It's a little bit buzzier than a four-cylinder engine. But uh, Ford does a really good job with this engine. Uh, it matches well with the the Bronco Sport. The vehicle doesn't feel underpowered uh, at most points in time. Accelerating and passing on the highway is just fine. And Jack, have you driven the three-cylinder equipped Ford Escape? I have. I was on the launch and I drove it at some length. And, you know, I think to a lot of people, the three-cylinder just sounds weird, right? They're just not used to a three-cylinder engine. But actually, I think from an engineering point of view, it might be smoother uh, in terms of the the uh, up and down, back and forth piston forces than a four-cylinder, which has some inherent uh, buzziness to it. So there's really nothing at all wrong with a three-cylinder engine. It, it makes a lot of sense, and I, I think it re works really well in, in this application. I agree. I agree. And uh, so inside this vehicle, uh, we've got an 8-inch touchscreen. It runs Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And uh, Ford did a really good job with the uh, safety equipment in the vehicle. So Ford Copilot 360 is standard, and Ford Copilot Assist Plus is optional. So standard, you get automatic high beam headlights, blind spot monitoring, lane keep assist, pre-collision automatic emergency braking, uh, rear view camera. And then you can add on uh, navigation, adaptive cruise control with stop and go, uh, and so on. So uh, I've enjoyed Ford's technology offerings. I think that Sync 4, which is the newest version of the software, is a little bit better than Sync 3, which is the version that comes in the Bronco Sport. But it's still one of the most uh, intuitive and colorful infotainment systems on the market. Uh, you're never more than a few taps away from what you need to do. And uh, overall, I just I really enjoy Sync as a as a tech nerd that I am. I think they've done a really good job. The test vehicle I had came with a B&O sound system with 10 speakers and a subwoofer, so that's an upgrade. And the interior is very spacious with plenty of room in the back seat for two car seats, two kids, and a dog. So, Jack, I think that this vehicle, you know, despite not being the quote-unquote real Bronco, uh, is more than capable enough. It's comfortable, and it's plenty spacious for family, especially if you are, are using it to transport a couple of kids. And like I said, a dog, everybody fits just fine. I think it's a home run. I think both the Broncos are home runs. I'm seeing a ton of them around here in Southern California. I hadn't seen them until about two or three months ago, and I think maybe that was production issues. But now we're, they're coming thick and fast, and I think it's a, a really good vehicle and a good value. So uh, I think it's, a, it's been a home run for Ford so far. And speaking of which, <laughs> here's a really important vehicle for Ford uh, that I'm about to talk about. It is the F-150 Lightning, their all-electric pickup truck. And this is a big, 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 big deal uh, for Ford Motor Company. Of course, the F-150 is essentially the Ford franchise. This is the, the big, big moneymaker for Ford Motor Company. It's been the best-selling pickup truck for 45 years straight. 
Uh, so that's important. And when they are introducing an electric version in the face of other electric pickup trucks, they want to get it right. So a uh, very important vehicle for them. And I can say right off the top, I think they really did get it right. I think uh, this is a, a remarkable vehicle, uh, one of the most remarkable vehicles I've ever driven, to tell you the truth. It is fast, and it's easy maybe to, to look at how quickly the F-150 can accelerate. It goes from zero to 60 in about four and a half seconds uh, when it has the extended range battery. And that's just pretty amazing. But that's not really what people are looking to uh pickup trucks for is is quick acceleration, sports car-like acceleration, although it's got that. It's the utility, and the utility is there all over the place. Uh, one of the things this vehicle will do because of its giant battery capacity is it can po uh, power a, a home for up to three days. In fact, the Ford engineers tell me, depending on what you're running, it might be up to 10 days using the storage, uh, the electricity stored in the battery pie, in the battery pack in the F-150. It, it can reverse pretty simply into your home electrical system, which is wild. Uh, it's just something you don't consider. And, uh, we have some brownouts here in Southern California that might be useful for us. I, I wonder, do you run into electricity problems now and then in Maine, Chris? We do in the fall, right when the ground gets soft and the wind starts blowing. We have a lot of trees down. We had a five or six day power outage just a few years ago. So I can see this coming in handy for, uh, for us. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Well, I want to dive into the driving experience because that's the important thing that we had not been able to do with this vehicle up till now. And we got a chance to drive it both on-road, do some towing with it, and drive it off-road. And uh, so let me report on that. On the road, it is super smooth, incredibly quiet. Uh, you don't even hear barely tire noise, a little bit of wind noise. And you can be going exceptionally fast in this thing and not realize how fast you're going. And then uh, some models are uh, Blue Cruise capable. Blue Cruise is a, a hands-off hands off the steering wheel driving system that uh, enables that on certain roads that are already mapped. It's, I think there's 130,000 miles of, of roadway where it's appropriate, and we got a chance to do that. It is spooky, I'll tell you, to have your hands off the wheel, be going uh, at a speed you've set, say 70, 75 miles an hour, and be going around corners and you know having people pass you and doing all those things and, and just having the vehicle steer itself. But it uh, was a champ doing that. You talked a bit about sync. This has the sync for in infotainment interface, so that is terrific. So all in all, and a giant screen in front of you, depending on the, the class of vehicle or the trim, trim level. So uh, that's great. I also got a chance to do some on-road towing with the thing. I towed a 5,000-pound horse trailer, Sands Horses. Uh, we didn't have the Kentucky Derby winner long shot in it, but uh, we did have the horse trailer uh, behind us. And I'll tell you, I've towed before. I don't do a ton of towing, though, so I would say still a novice at this. But this felt as if there were essentially barely anything behind the vehicle. Only in very rare occasions did you feel the fact that you had this 5,000 pounds behind you Pulled strong, of course, you have maximum torque from uh, about zero RPM, so uh, that's terrific stuff. How about you and, and towing? Do you do any towing, Chris? In a previous life, I did. I don't have many opportunities to do it now, but I can see how an electric truck would be uh, an excellent tool to do the job. 
Absolutely, and it turned out to be that way. And one of the things the vehicle does is it figures out how big the trailer is, how big the load is, and helps you figure out how much that will affect your range and how much range you need and when you need to uh, replenish your batteries. Uh, it's all pretty smart that way. So uh, I think that's terrific. Let's, let me talk about off-road, too. A big advantage there are the, is the amount of torque this vehicle has, which is a lot. Uh, you can get a locking rear differential, which is very useful off-road, and we put this to use. It was a pretty challenging off-road course, and I've been on a lot of them recently that uh, we took in the F-150. It climbs and descends with absolute ease. It will uh, ford two-foot uh, water. We did that, so it did some river fording and through some water barriers and stuff like that. It has a forward-facing camera that helps when you get to the top of a rise and want to see what's over there and see nothing but sky out your windshield. So all of that was terrific. Uh, I think it's a, a very good off-road vehicle with tons of capability. So big-time payload capability, more than 2,000 pounds, 2,200 pounds in uh, some iterations. It'll tow... Uh, as much as 10,000 pounds uh, with a trailer tow ta a package. It has blue crews. It has a thing, uh, onboard scales so you can figure out uh, what your payload is and, and all that. It's just stuffed with tech, more tech than I can talk about in this segment. But you can tell, Chris, I'm gushing about this vehicle. I think the Ford Lightning is a, an absolute home run. And uh, I'm sorry to go on about this, but uh, I just think they've done a, a remarkable job with this vehicle. No, I totally agree. And I guess the only question now is if Ford can make enough of them. They've got hundreds, a couple hundred thousand reservations, and they're going to be pumping these things out left and right. So hopefully they can keep up with it. I think this is uh, going to be a, a huge hit for Ford Motor Company. It's going to get some people in electric vehicles that never considered an electric before. And uh, I think it's uh, in a lot of ways a landmark vehicle. So that is a great thing from Ford Motor Company. When we come back, we will have an interview with Justin Yoshizawa of Mercury Insurance talking about a breakthrough in, in auto insurance. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Neared with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Neared with you, and we have a terrific guest for you. Uh, Justin Yoshizawa is Director of Product Management at Mercury Insurance. We all insure our cars. It's something we have to do. We're wise to do it, uh, and I think we're always looking for new ways to go about doing that to maybe save some money in insuring our cars and I have the absolute expert on that in Justin Yoshizawa to talk about that. Number one, thanks so much for being with us, Justin. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Jack. I always get the, I always appreciate the opportunity to, to be on your podcast and, and radio and and like talk about you know insurance and and how we can save customers money. It's an important thing. I mean, virtually everybody who drives has insurance, should have insurance. It's important that they have the right insurance and uh, and really that they understand what insurance is about because insurance is really designed to protect them. Uh, that's that's what we're we're all about when we insure things. So, but uh, tell us about this new initiative you put together at Mercury Insurance because it's pretty exciting stuff and an interesting way to save money. Yeah, for sure. So it's called Mercury Go, and it's our our usage based insurance app. So if you think about auto insurance, you know the traditional way of pricing auto insurance. You know it's based on variables like your driving record, so the, you know that your tickets and accidents that you've gotten, your age, where you live, the type of vehicle you drive, uh, a lot of variables like that. 
Mercury Go is kind of this newer way of doing pricing and it's usage-based insurance based on how you drive. Um, it's it, it started with kind of these onboard devices, right? Where you would plug them into your car. It's a USB device that gets plugged into your car and then it tracks your driving. But Mercury Insurance's new app, Mercury Go, is an app that's actually on your phone. So it's not anything that, it's not any hardware that the customer has to plug into their vehicle. It's an app that's on the phone. It's on something that everyone carries with them in their pocket or their purse every day. So they don't have to take something else along with them when they're when they're driving their car. And the idea behind it is, you know, it, it's tracking kind of how they drive, right? So uh, if they're speeding, if they have hard braking, or I mean, the, the, the advantage to it is it's on the phone. So we can see you know, if they're actually using their phone while driving. And all of this stuff goes into a model and allows us to provide a discount to a customer based on how they're driving. So the safer you drive, the, the, the higher discount that you're going to get. Right. I mean, before, before you had this uh, ability to really track what individuals are doing, you kind of had to profile them, right? You had to figure out who they were, what they were like, what other people they were like, and then put them into a risk pool that was of uh, people like them. Now people can really affect their own insurance rates directly by how they drive, right? Exactly. I mean, really what we were trying to do is use historical data based on those attributes, like I talked about before, and, and really try to predict what the driving behavior and the loss experience of those customers are with this app, I mean, you can t they, they're able to tell us basically exactly how they're driving and we can price more accurately based on that. Which makes all the sense in the world. And like I say, you can buy your own behavior. You can <laughs> save yourself some money by, by driving properly. Who do you think it, it really benefits the most, Justin? I mean, I think it benefits anyone. I mean, any driver that wants, that is conscious of making sure that they're driving safely on the road. I mean, it's something that it's an app that provides tips along the way. So it's not just something where it's going to give you a score and tell you how you're doing. It's going to provide tips to tell you like, hey, here's something that you can improve on. So as long as the drivers are looking at kind of, you know, their scores and their trips and and seeing the tips that, that are coming out of the app, it can help everyone become a safe driver. I think it's most especially helpful for families and that have teen drivers as well, because we have this family sharing feature that kind of allows family members to see the, each other's trips. You know, it allows parents to kind of look at kind of their teen drivers' trips as well and see how they're driving. So, right, and maybe do some coaching based on that, right? And uh, for sure, for where sure. you ne I never have any visibility. When I had teen drivers, and now my my teens are in their twenties, and. Uh, I find it really difficult to monitor them, but I used to want to drive uh, around with them, uh, you know, sitting in the passenger seat just to see how they drive. Right. And, uh, you know, that wasn't nearly as, as valuable as what you provide here. Yeah, for sure. And even, I mean, if you're sitting in the car, they're going to drive a lot more safely than they, they probably would if you weren't there, right? So, yeah, I mean, this allows you to kind of see how they're driving and, like you said, provide coaching and tips, you know, based on, on, on how they're driving and, make them a better driver overall. What are some of the th things that you can find out? It, it strikes me probably heartbreaking, jackrabbit starts, those kind of things you can track and then uh, do some coaching on, I imagine. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's what we're going, what the app provides tips on is how often they are heartbreaking, uh, excessive speeding. Yeah. Acceleration. Um, And then what I mentioned before around kind of the the phone aspect of it these onboard devices that were tradi- or used before in usage based insurance they were able to capture a lot of those things in terms of how the car is moving but the app allows us on the phone allows us to capture components like how often the driver is picking up their phone how often they're you know navigating maps or text messaging during their drive um, how often they're just you know picking up the phone and that plays a role into how safe they're driving as well I mean, that's one of, you know, the biggest reasons for kind of increases in frequency as cell phones have become more popular. I mean, you drive down the road and look look over at the next car. A lot of times you'll see somebody text messaging. Right. And, right. and, that, and that it's frightening because role. text messaging is, is so dangerous and yeah. so distracting. Well, sure. I, I think the other thing that's interesting about this is it tracks it for the driver as opposed to for the vehicle. And uh, that makes a lot of sense all the way around. I mean, in multi-car households, I mean, even when you're renting a car and driving on vacation, it could probably track your behavior. So I think that's an interesting facet of this. Yeah, for sure. And that was one of the downsides of kind of these onboard devices that that were uh, used before for usage-based insurance. You weren't able to tell who was driving the car. This one is, you know, it's it's allowing us to see the individual's driving behavior, whether or not they're driving their car or somebody else's and or like you said, on on vacation and driving a rental car. So we're able to kind of have that. Um, more individualized driving score uh, for our customers. Talk about privacy, will you? A lot of people have concerns about their privacy, although they're giving up a lot of data, I think, uh, maybe unbeknownst to them uh, on their phones and and other devices. Talk about that and how that uh, Mercury Go deals with that situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing with, with any app on your phone. There's a lot of data that that is being um, provided. But f- for us, you know, we, we definitely maintain strict guidelines and we definitely follow best practices to, to keep the driving data safe and secure. We're not sharing it with any other third party except to just, you know, help with the servicing of the policy. So and if, if the customer feels uncomfortable or wants to unenroll at any point, they have the ability to if they're specific questions you know we can answer those around privacy but we do our best to 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 keep the data secure not share it with anyone yeah is there any other information that you're gathering and and taking a look at that's largely it's it's basically the movement of the phone right and and how fast it's accelerating how hard it's breaking where it's at right so in terms of the mileage and stuff that's being driven in terms of the trips where you're going obviously we need all that to kind of figure out um location and all that stuff in terms of it, it's basically all location-based and how the phone is moving. That That is the majority of the information that we're collecting and analyzing. And location, of course, has something to do with your insurance rates typically too, doesn't it? Because different areas have different kind of loss rates and, and that kind it of thing. It does. It does. And usually traditional insurance pricing is based on your zip code or where you live. And the assumption is that you're driving uh, around a lot in that area. With this specific usage-based insurance tool, though, we can see the trips that you're actually driving. So you can you can see like where the customer's driving. Are they driving mainly on the freeway? Are they driving a lot on on surface streets? Um, are they taking longer trips? Right, and how much they're driving. So it, it does provide us a lot more information to to help better price 
the risk. So having this on your phone, and I, that's such a terrific idea. I'm so excited about that. How can insurance customers go about lowering their rates when they use this? For our program, the way that it works is, so you get it up to a 10% discount just for participating. So just for signing up for it um, on the their initial term for the policy, they get up to a 10% participation discount. And then the way it works is uh, after about 90 days, we'll have enough data of driving activity and trips to be able to calculate a rate for that. So uh, an even higher discount. So the part you have the participation discount and then you get a driving discount on top of that, dependent on how you're driving. So as we said, if you're a real safe driver, you don't have a lot of hard braking, you're not, you're not you doing a lot of distracted driving and picking up your phone, uh, you're not speeding a ton, then you can save up to 40, an additional 40% on your policy, which is huge, right? I mean, in terms of, I mean, you're talking overall, having that 10% participation discount and then the 40% uh, driving discount on top of that, it's huge in terms of uh, providing customers low rates. And that's what we really wanna do with this is reward the customers that are driving safely. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes so much sense. And uh, before you kind of just had to estimate how people were going to do this thing and, and uh, you know, what their driving was like. But now I, you're able to see on a practically a micro scale, I guess a micro scale, a person to person scale, what's what's happening with them. And that's what allows you, I think, to give discounts, right? You're just tracking real behavior uh, in real time. Yep, for sure. I mean, it was more uh, assumption based. And like we said before, is based on historical data of, of certain segments and how they've performed historically. And now, like I said, you can reward these individualized customers based on how they're driving and they can see the immediate feedback and driving tips and, and realize the discounts and, and the lower premiums as a result. I know you're launching this state by state. You've launched in, in several states now. Why don't you tell us, uh, give us an indication of where Mercury Go is going to be available, or is available now and will be available in the future. Currently, Mercury Insurance writes auto insurance in 11 states right now. Um, we've launched it in seven so far. So Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Arizona, Illinois, and New Jersey are the seven states that we've launched it in so far. The next ones that are coming up are Virginia and Nevada. Um, and then, you know, the other states will vary based on kind of our rollout schedule, um, the regulation in the market there. But yeah, it, Texas was the first state that we launched um, back last year. And, you know, we've seen a lot of success with it. So we've, we've begun to roll it out. Um, across all of our states. Do you expect to gain customers by having the Mercury go? Yeah, and, and, and that's what we're seeing too, is with these additional discounts that we're able to provide, right, we, we, can, we can give that cheaper rate. So hopefully we're gaining more customers as a result of it. You know, people that are, are looking for a different insurance solution, understanding of the fact where if they're they're immediately rewarded with a lower rate if they do drive safe. I mean, that's really kind of the, the customer that we're looking for and looking to provide that lower rate for is, you know, one that is going to drive safe can show that they, they're driving safe and, and want to get rewarded for it. So yes, we, we are get, gaining more business as a result of, of rolling this program out. And Justin, how can our listeners get additional information, sign up for this? It sounds like a terrific opportunity. So there's multiple ways that they can do it. They can come to the 
the Mercury Insurance website, look to buy a policy there, or contact their nearest Mercury agent, Mercury independent agent, and and get more information. So yeah, there's there's multiple ways to do that, but however they they choose to, they can you know come to our website or, or go talk to their agent to to look to get a policy. Anything more that listeners should know about this, Justin? Uh, last thing I'll say is, I mean, every. A lot of insurance companies have different programs like this and stuff. Ours is a little bit unique in the sense that there's no downside for the customer in it. There's there's other companies that will kind of surcharge if the driving behavior isn't there. At this point for us, we're not, you know, it, we're just providing the discount. So even if you're the worst driver and, you know, heartbreaking all the time on your phone the whole time and, and speeding, like we will, the, the lowest you can get is a zero percent, right? So we just won't give you that additional discount. So it's really trying to encourage people to sign up to no lose situation for the customers to try it and sign up for it. It should be a win-win for everyone here. Absolutely. It sounds like a total no-brainer. Well, uh, Justin Yoshizawa, Director of Product Management at Mercury Insurance, thanks for sharing this with us. Really cool stuff. And uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Thanks for being with us on America on the Road. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate it. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red with you. It is question and answer time. We uh, love to take your listener questions, and our listeners ask really intelligent questions, so uh, we love to try to answer them for them. And uh, Chris, I think you have a question for us in this segment, don't you? I do, and I think it's going to be a tough one. At least it would be for me. Uh, This question comes to us from William in Des Moines, Iowa. William says that he heard us talking about the uh, fuel process that turns CO2 from the air into fuel a couple of weeks ago. And he wants to know, isn't that the same thing that plants do? What about ethanol? Is this something that could be turned into a carbon neutral fuel source? You know, I think William has something here, uh, at least something that needs to be investigated, right? Because when we describe that process, and I think it might have even been in last week's show, about taking carbon dioxide from the air, having a plant that does that, and then reacting that carbon dioxide with hydrogen that's derived from water and then turning the result into a hydrocarbon. Well, essentially, that is what plants do. That's what trees do. That's what you know any kind of growing plant pretty much does, is they're taking carbon dioxide from the air and then they create harb- uh, hydrocarbons. Their bodies are essentially uh, hydrocarbons. So maybe some investigation should be made to look at ethanol from this point of view. I'm not saying this is the way to go because certainly energy goes into growing crop. But uh, indeed, I think those plants are taking carbon dioxide from the air. And so if that's part of the issue, well, maybe that's something that uh, can be done even more naturally than with this process that we talked about last week. And I think that's our show for this week. It's so great to have Chris Teague with us as our co-host. Thanks for being with us, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be back after being sick. And I'll say that if everyone likes what they heard and would like to listen more, please head to sportsmapradio.com. You can find us on the Saturday morning schedule. There you can find our Apple Music podcast. I believe it's just Apple Podcast podcast, as well as a formatted radio version of the podcast to listen on the go. Our profound thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road. And most of all, thanks to you for listening to America on the road. You're the reason we do what we do. And thanks so much for being with us. Uh, We look forward to having you join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road. (music) 
America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. And if you're looking to buy a new car, a used car, just care about cars, Come and visit drivingtoday.com. Drivingtoday.com is the official automotive website of America on the road.